And that is uh, Oliver Mchukuzi, Zimbabwe-born Oliver Mchukuzi, Todi, as we begin our conversation around I am African, I'm an African, and what does that mean? And uh, we journey through, during this time, we just journey throughout our continent and look at uh, uh, some of the things that define us, some of the things that uh, really uh, mess up our positioning and uh, how we contribute to a bigger picture in the world. And right now we're going to speak to Karina Brew who is a PhD um, a, in public law candidate at uh, the University of Cape Town in the Center for Criminology. And uh, she wrote a very, um, well, she researched and uh, this sparked um, an, an, an article um, um, looking at uh, the large seizure of uh, uh, drugs in the Overbeck area in 2017. And uh, this has been, um, it has led to many uh, conversations around uh, this in Africa, and that is the scourge of drug trafficking on the African continent. Good afternoon and welcome, Karina. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Well, I mean, this is a very um, scary terrain that uh, you, you, I, I can understand that uh, doing public law uh, would come as second nature to enter into a space like this. Weren't you scared? Um, so I think I should put a caveat on the nature of my research. Yeah. Um, so even though I am looking at illicit markets, I primarily speak to those who respond to them. Uh-huh. So yes, it can put you in tricky situations. Maybe you have the opportunity to speak to a trafficker, but my research mainly focuses more on, I look at how they operate, but I'm more interested in what can we do to counter their operations. And you, you talk about, uh, you know, Africa being um, strategically located uh, to be used as corridor. Take us through uh, some of your findings. Why is this? Yeah, so I think it's important to note that, I mean, a lot of drugs are consumed and also produced on the continent. But we're very much also a transit zone for drugs coming from elsewhere across the world. Um, so geographically, we're located between demand and supply countries, which means that we're just right smack bang in the middle of where potential traffickers would like to move their illicit commodities through. So an example would be West Africa, which is located near Latin and South America for cocaine that's on its way to Europe and sometimes America as well. And then East Africa that's located also between Afghanistan and Europe and has a nice um, transit route for heroin that's on its way from Afghanistan to Europe. Um, and then also some of the factors that are important to look at is globalization. Um, states are interconnected in a way we've never seen before. So there's a lot more trade. There's a lot more trade relationships, which is often something that is exploited by trafficking networks. Mm. Um, and also very important for Africa is that large quantities of drugs are trafficked by sea. And 38 of our states, African states, are coastal states or islands, which means that there's an enormous amount of maritime borders which can be exploited by traffickers. And traffickers find islands specifically attractive because you can often conduct their activities mostly undetected. Um, and we've seen this with the Indian Ocean Islands with the heroin trade, Mauritius, Zanzibar, um, the Comores, um, and in West Africa as well, we've seen it with islands around Guinea-Bissau. Um, and also another thing which is important to consider is that many African states are what we see blind, which basically reflects a fear on their part to mm. not only appreciate how the ocean can bring economic prosperity, but also how important it is to keep an eye on the ocean for strategic importance in terms of maritime threats. Um, and traffickers are business people. So I think they keep tabs on, you know, what is going on on the continent? You know, what does the maritime security look like? Are there loopholes for us to exploit? 
Let, um, let's so talk about your findings on that, um, Karima. Yeah. Uh, what 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 uh, what did you find? Um, the, how big is a problem is this? So um, with so obviously trafficking is a form of transnational organized crime, um, which is notoriously difficult to sort of get any really reliable data on because it is typically conducted in a secretive manner. You know, it's tried, mm. tried to keep it as secret as possible. But specifically, we're just speaking about the scale of the problem. Um, the World Drug Report, which is public, published by the United Nations annually, has on more than one occasion noted how Africa's involvement in drug trafficking is increasing, it's growing, and that it's one of the most worrying trends that they've identified. And if that report is correct, for example, um, I think they said two-thirds of the cocaine going from South America to Europe is smuggled through West Africa. So, I mean, that is a pretty large scale of the problem. Um, with heroin in East Africa specifically, there's not um, as much updated data that I'm aware of, but the typical figure that they've been using is about 22 tons annually mm. that heroin going through East Africa. I mean, that's a lot. And the bigger problem with that is, not the bigger problem, but one of the problems with that is some of this, these drugs remain behind in the regions and it increases local usage, which is something yeah. that's often neglected and it's something we should be worried about. But if they left behind, um, that would mean uh, they left with uh, security uh, forces. What does that say about uh, you know, security uh, measures and, and how security cluster is involved in this? Um, are you speaking specifically to the police? Yeah, uh, because if if they left behind, how do they lend themselves uh, in in uh, in the hands of ordinary uh, citizens? Well, so um, with trafficking networks, they're very much international networks. So mm. you would have, say, for example, a kingpin in Afghanistan, but you'd also have people working on the boats that leave the region to East Africa. And in East Africa, for example, again, you'd have East Africans working there. So this could be, you know, they could be paid perhaps in the drugs that they're moving. Mm. Um, they could ask to try some of it, you know, and sort of in that way for it to spread around. Um, some of it, I mean, there is a lot of allegations of corruption. And I think this is globally, it's not just an Africa problem mm-hmm. that's linked to the drug trade. And um, so some of it definitely can be sort of siphoned off by corrupt officials. It's not necessarily security forces. I think somewhere like Guinea-Bissau, it probably was... Um, you know, it was proven to be linked to the military. Mm. But in somewhere like East Africa, maybe it could be more um, port officials or maybe a high-level politician with links to a port or something like that. But it definitely is a facilitator and it's something to be worried about. In fact, I have many research participants that firmly believe that the only way that you're going to stop drug trafficking from from happening in Africa is to stop corruption. And we all know that that seems much easier than it, in fact, will be. But is there political willingness, though? Um, because, I mean, once uh, you were able to write a piece like this as, as a, a PhD student, uh, that means it's easy for uh, law enforcers to get this uh, kind of uh, information and, and, and data. Are they interested in, in uh, bringing about change? So, I mean, yes, they are. I must say, I think in regions where drug trafficking has been identified, there has really been, we've seen a change in the attitude towards drug trafficking, and there really is political will and the will to change things. Mm-hmm. But the problem is um, there's not always resources to follow through with this. Um, 
so at the end of the day, yes, political will is almost as important as addressing corruption. Mm. But you have to consider what are your actual possibilities, what can you do with it. So, for example, you can show political will by seeking international partnerships. Because, um, again, like I said, we're a transit region. So if you can form international partnerships with, say, countries of demand and supply, and say, listen, if we're able to stop the drug from entering to Africa, we can stop them from coming to you. So, and there have been regional, in, regional, sorry, regional initiatives um, where various states have joined, have joined their powers and have committed to cooperating against drug trafficking. So, for example, there's the West African Commission on Drugs, the West African Coast Initiative. Um, ECOWAS played a massive role in the West African cocaine research that was done there. Um, there's the Indian Ocean Rim Association. There's the Djibouti Code of Conduct where all the Eastern African countries, all the way from Egypt to South Africa, signed and they committed to looking at issues at sea, specific um, wildlife trafficking, piracy, everything. Mm. So I think there is political will, but whether there's always the resources and the know-how to follow through is questionable. Although there are very, there's quite a few international organisations. So, for example, the um, Drug Enforcement Agency of the U.S. and the National Crime Agency from the U.K. They have offices across Africa, and they've really done fantastic work with local law enforcement agencies, for example, um, building capacity, you know, showing them how to intercept drugs, how to analyze them. So the political world is growing. It's just going to take some time to realize that this is really a problem. It's affecting you know, not only local users, it's affecting governance, mm. it's affecting the criminal justice system. So it's getting there. I'm confident of Let- that. Let's talk about other crime syndicates um, that are, are therefore um, connected, uh, thriving um, because of drug trafficking. Yeah, so I think that's something we should be careful about. There's often suggestions that drug trafficking is linked to various other crimes. And in some cases, that really is true. But then you have to look at the specific drug, mm. um, the specific region. And you can't always say, you know, like with ivory, sometimes it's trafficked with rhino horns, but it's very specific to a region. It could even be specific to a shipment. Um, so I think it should, we should, and it's actually something that the West African Commission on Drugs specifically noted, is the um, suggested links between extremism or terrorism and drugs. And they really do feel that it's exaggerated a bit because yeah. there's not a lot of evidence to prove it. Although I do know, and I think it's common knowledge that the Taliban where um, the majority, so Afghanistan is where the majority of heroin is produced or opium is produced and they definitely are being funded thereby but um, in terms of someone like Boko Haram or Al-Qaeda um, we're not so sure of their links mm. so yes there are incidences where um, other criminal syndicates are benefiting from this probably but I would say they're the exception rather than the rule So let's talk about I mean <laughs> What is the role uh, played by South Africa in in connecting um, uh, this syndicate? Okay, um, so um, the article that I wrote to you, uh, the article that I wrote um, (laughs) on South African heroin trafficking, um, what we sort of believe, and again, there's such a big lack of research, but it's building up, it's getting there, is that as the heroin from East Africa became being successfully counted by East African states. It slowly started moving more south. So first it was Kenya, Tanzania, then it started moving to Mozambique, and then it started moving to South Africa, mm. which is where I was sort of, you know, became interested in South Africa's role. Um, and we have a lot of 
even though you know state fragility, whatever however you define that, really does benefit trafficking networks. They also really enjoy the good things. So, for an example, we have really good transport infrastructure. We have really good um, telecommunications. We have um, sophisticated banking system, and all of these things can help them to conduct their trade. You know, you can hide an illicit shipment along massive volumes of illicit trade. So, for example. If you look at a port like Durban, there's massive volumes of trade going through. It works well. You know, the turnover time is not that long. Mm. Um, and a very small amount of um, containers, for example, are, and, and that's, again, that's an issue globally. It's not just in Africa. But so something like that would put South Africa sort of as a nice position. And also, I guess, our location geographically, again, could be a nice way to either, you know, send drugs to whichever direction you wish to send them in. All right, uh, a number to dial is 0891-104-207. And uh, we also take your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Also, uh, you can join us on Twitter and Facebook, hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And uh, Twitter and Facebook is at SAFM Radio as we're talking about uh, the scourge of uh, drug trafficking in the African continent. Is there a specific country um, throughout Africa that you can single out? Because, um, you know, uh, oftentimes there's um, association with specific countries and, and those countries will be singled out as drug traffickers. Hello. Hi, hi. Sorry about that, uh, Karina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> technology. Uh, what I wanted to find out is: is there a specific country that uh, perhaps you can single out um, that is is a major uh, player in in the drug trafficking? Because uh, you know there are in, in the streets. You know that there's uh, talks about specific countries. But through your research, what what were your findings? Um, do you mean regions outside of Africa that is using Africa? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think you can hear my speciality is pretty much heroin and a little bit of cocaine. Mm. Um, but so definitely if you look where the drugs are coming from, so the countries of supply. Um, so for cocaine, it's definitely Latin and South America. Um, and for heroin, it's definitely Asia. So Afghanistan specifically, and then also Pakistan and Iran. Um, I think with regards to... The, how law enforcement looks on that side, I think we should consider the large amounts of drugs that arrive on the African coast or uh, airports or whatever. Um, so I think the fact that so much is able to arrive in Africa speaks a lot to how they're not able to control it on their side. And this again comes down to how important it is not only to look at the transit trade or just to look at demand, but to mm-hmm. also at supply reduction. Hawi Maraba on Twitter says, um, this is started by Nigerians and their stay in South Africa. It's it's not a good cause at all. Is there fact to this? Um, I think West Africans have gotten an unnecessarily bad reputation with regards to that. Um, I think it's a generalization that's not necessarily correct. Um, if you look at drug trafficking networks, like I said earlier, they have involvement from every single state almost in the world. I mean, Yes, there are some West African drug drug traffickers in East Africa, but similarly, there are Tanzanians trafficking drugs in South Africa. Mm. I don't think there's a specific nationality. I mean, historically, if you look at how drug routes develop, sure, there's involvement from West Africa, but I don't think that Nigerians necessarily can be blamed for drugs coming into the country. I don't think that's necessarily fair. We should look at the broader picture.
and uh, uh, on Twitter once again uh, Fortunate Mpo uh, at Fortunate Mpo says hey there uh, this is a terrifying issue I was in Accra um, right in the city exchange of drugs in, in, in public areas and at the same time the security and police uh, officers are around and let them um, and, and that alone um, I was in Mombasa in Kenya um, right at the beach and uh, there's mm-hmm. easy access of drugs and this is not a South African problem alone and I guess that's why mm. we're having uh, this conversation. No, definitely and Mombasa actually interestingly is quite a big area of interest because the port of Mombasa is a massive port for mm. a lot of drugs entering. They had a recent, I think it was about two or three years ago, they had a massive cocaine seizure. They've had um, quite a few heroin seizures around the area. Um, and so, but what is interesting about East Africa, and I don't know if you're going to ask about this, but I think it's important to note is um, a lot of the law enforcement activity is focused at drug users and low-level traffickers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people you would see exchanging these drugs in Mombasa, for example. And that's a big problem because there really is globally a shift away from the so-called war on drugs or criminalizing drugs to more harm reduction policies where you're not overburdening the criminal justice system with drug users who have you know, an addictive habit that they cannot help. They cannot, uh-huh. you know, there's no help help for them in prison. So there's this move towards let's get them treatment, you know, let's give them rep- um, drug replacement therapy. Um, yeah, so that is, I think, also something that's important that we need to look at. All right, let's take a news break. And uh, when we return, uh, we continue taking your messages, your calls. And you can join us at uh, 40938 charged at 150. And that's uh, for SMSs and uh, also on Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio. Uh, here's Uzi Lesaku with the news headlines. Call Chris Salda now, 891 all right, uh, we're talking to Karina Brewer, who is a PhD candidate at the University of uh, Cape Town's uh, Criminology Department. And uh, we, we're talking about uh, the scourge of drug trafficking on uh, the African continent. And this is, I'm an African, and uh, taking your messages, um, your comments. It's it, it's interesting how people, uh, you know, immediately, um, Karima, seems to just go straight to um, Nigerians are at fault. Uh, with drug trafficking and thank you uh, for for putting facts into uh, into that now what what needs to happen to tighten our border controls and you know there's been talks about uh, removing uh, the border controls uh, completely but with challenges like drug trafficking it makes it difficult doesn't it yeah, I must uh, often have this conversation just with friends or colleagues, and they're always like, so what do you think about the opening up of the borders? And I'm like, I mean, it's great. But on the other hand, you know, as someone who's interested in criminology, you're like, oh, my word, the things that would be able to pass mm. through there. Um, so, I mean, on the one hand, yes, it definitely can encourage illicit activity. But on the other hand, it can also increase legitimate trade and perhaps provide alternative income opportunities, which would, you know, make the pool of potential drug traffickers a bit smaller. Um and even if they do tighten our border posts or, um, you know, any border, maritime border, land borders, um, 
There are also unofficial borders. Um, they call them rat routes, which are mm. often used by traffickers. And you can never, you know, you can't police an entire country's border. If you just look at, for example, um, South Africa's coastline, it's two and a half thousand kilometers long. You know, how are you going to, you know, police all of that area? And then also, again, if you have an official in a port or, um, you know, whether it's a port or a land border, that you can give a small payment to look the other way, then you can tighten the borders as much as you want. If you don't, make sure that you get rid of anyone who's essentially corruptible. They're going to continue to move their illicit commodities through those regions. And, and I mean, when you read through your piece, do you feel a sense of hope? I asked earlier on about uh, the political will, and you said there is. Um, I mean, when you look around in our streets, drugs are just way too accessible. Is there hope? Yeah. Um, Look, South Africa is not really my region that I'm researching in, but Mm. I do think, like I said, in general, it does seem that, you know, governments are realizing there is a problem. We really do need to look into this. And also the realization that, again, it's not only in transit, you know, it's affecting our locals. You know, Mm. I think it hits home a bit more once you realize that it's not just in transit. And there's actually, I think that was the, West African Commission on Drugs, it was the name of the report, not just in transit. So I do think there is hope, and especially if I look at when I um, was in East Africa for my field work or for my research, the average law enforcer, the average um, political officer, the average international community you know, worker, they're doing such amazing work, and they are honest people. And I really do think that that gave me so much hope that in the long run we can, you know, it's organized crime, it's really hard to fight, but in the long run I really do think we can put in measures and there are the right people to put these measures, but it has to be, you know, like we said, political will, international partnerships and allocation of resources. And I guess, uh, you know, no matter how many times we mention that um, you can't locate the problem only and, and make it about um, uh, Nigeria. Uh, Dr. Mpumzi says large-scale crimes and diseases grow in a country that fails to regulate migration. Uh, let us take from Donald Trump's approach uh, to migration. Otherwise, the African foreign nationals are going to completely destroy our beloved South Africa uh, with drugs leading to crime? Um, I think statements like that might um, uh, cause a little bit of xenophobia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that's a necessary comment to make. But um, again, drug trafficking networks are so smart. They are going to find a way. I don't think migration is necessarily the issue here. Um, I mean, then we can say that the South African cruise ship workers who were caught with cocaine on the other side, I mean, that's our own people. So I don't think migration, sure, it does play a role. You know, people do cross borders, but I think that where there's a will, there's a way. And there's more than enough drug trafficking networks to find a way. And and where is your paper accessible? Um, So that one is specifically on the conversation. I've written a piece for the Daily Maverick. And then there's also a report by the ISS that came out recently that I contributed to. Um, It's on the, I think it's the heroin economy, it's called. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us and thank you for these insights. And I guess the conversation uh, continues because some of us, we we listen um, and and, uh, are just consumed by fear. Uh, Where does this stop and how much more can countries take uh, without uh, something giving? Uh, Thank you for putting thought um, to this topic, uh, Karina. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
Thank you very much. That's uh, Karina Brewer, who is a PhD candidate at the University of Cape Town's uh, Center for Criminology. And uh, this is I'm an African. She was talking about uh, the scourge of uh, uh, drug trafficking on the African continent and uh, connecting to a, a a piece, a research piece um, that inspired her to write an article uh, due to a large heroin seizure in the Overberg area and uh, which um, shed a bit of light on, on South Africa being used as a, a traffic heroin, uh, to traffic heroin uh, along uh, what is known as the Southern Heroin Trafficking Route from Afghanistan. Goodness, some of these things uh, really are scary.